Welcome to Sundays with Hosanna Fellowship, a ministry of Hosanna International Ministries, bringing you God's Word, His power, and His authority to our community and the world. It is our desire to empower you to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to those around you. Let's listen in to today's message. We're going to talk a little bit about grace. And we need to talk about grace more. We do. We talk about a lot of things. You know, don't you thank the Lord for grace? That you're covered by the blood? Huh? And aren't you glad that God's not fickle like you are or I am? And uh, how many times have we changed our mind, you know? You, you, you heard about the guy that everybody thought was deaf. He just never spoke, you know? So they just would talk freely around him. And then, you know, one day... He just started speaking. You heard that? And he just started speaking. And they said, you can hear? Because they're saying all kinds of things about him. Family was saying all kinds of things about him. Wasn't nice. And they said, you can hear? And he said, yeah, and I've changed my will ten times. <laughs> you know, so. All right. All right. <laughs> That's, all right. Why did, I don't even know why I said that. All right. But anyway, let's turn to the second chapter of the book of Ephesians. And uh, we're going to look at a few things. And I, I, I got to say this. I, I really appreciate you coming out in this weather. You, you know we're going to have church. It doesn't make any difference if there's two or three of us. We're going to make church. And we're sure not going to say anything against those people that aren't here today. But we sure are going to say something about those people that went to Watch the Chiefs ball game. Like 97,000 people went to, I mean 79,000 people went to watch the Chiefs ball game. It was nine below zero and a wind chill of 30. Okay. All right. Just saying. Keep going. I'm not quit messing. I'm messing around now. I'm bothering people. Yes, I'm talking about you all that's home. Now they just turned me off. I saw it. Okay. All right. No, if you didn't make it today, I understand. All right. So anyway, let's, let's, uh, let's look at the uh, second chapter of the book of Ephesians. And we're going to start in about the fourth verse. And they're going to put it up. We're, we're saved by grace, right? So let's pray first. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for grace. Father, because if it was on our own merit, we would be in so much trouble. But it's all about what you did at the cross. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. He's going to bring up Ephesians chapter 2. And starting with about the fourth verse. But God. Everybody say but God. But God being rich in mercy. Because of his great love. With which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our transgressions made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Watch this sixth verse. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that the ages to come, so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Isn't that wonderful? 
Now, now we, we, we look at this thing, and, and uh, listen, I, I enjoy preaching about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I enjoy preaching about the authority that God's given us in his name, the power that's, that God has given us. And, and sometimes in this church, I tend to forget about preaching grace. And I need to preach grace every now and then because we're covered by grace. It's going to endure forever. Uh, I'm, I'm one of those people that believe that Christ Jesus died one time on the cross. And so all I need is to be saved one time. You know, and that, that's going to keep me. It's going to keep me. I, I'm, gonna, I'm so far from perfect, and, and, it, 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 and it bothers me. I'll be honest with you, it bothers me when, when people start to flatter because I don't think any of us are worthy of any of that stuff, okay? Uh, it bothers me when people have their names on ministries, you know, put God's name on the ministry. But, but how much I need grace, and how much you need grace. I'm a married man. You know I need grace. Yeah, you can chuckle a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? He said, I ain't saying nothing. Yeah. Yeah. But, you, know, you know, but, but uh, truly, though, being married, you know, you, you're going to have your ups and you're going to have your ups and downs and you're going to have conflicts. Uh Mary Martin and, and Jerry Martin got married, uh, what, and it's been, what, seven, eight months ago, huh? How long did they get married? Has it been a year? Yeah, and she said, uh, she said, uh, we still, we talked to her the other day, and she said, we still haven't had our first argument, and I said, you sure you guys are married? <laughs> you know, what's that all about, you know? But, but anyway, we need that. We, we need the grace of the Lord, and, and we don't speak of it much. And, and so I'm just going to kind of go through this. Uh, it, it's just something that's kind of on my mind. I, I thank the Lord for the cross. I, I don't personally know what I'd do without the cross. Now, grace, the Greek word of, of grace is charis, and that's where we're going to get our word charisma. Okay, so we're charismatic, all right? Uh, so I'm, I'm just going to read you the Greek definition of grace. Uh, and it don't do it right, but I'm going to read you the Greek definition. A favor done without expectation of return. Absolute freeness of the loving kindness of God to men Finding its only motive is the is the bounty and free hardness of the giver. And I, and I, I like this one. It's unearned. It's unmerited favor. And it's the free heart of God that has shown us not only his mercy, but he's given us his grace. And so then when we look in that fourth verse, he starts off with this way. But God being rich in mercy. It's interesting about Genesis chapter 1, 1 through 3. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
And then the second verse teaches us the earth was formless, it was void, and darkness covered the face. But isn't that amazing? But God. And, you know, the enemy, he, he likes to whip us. Does, does he smack any of you around when it comes to who you once were? And then he tries to say that, what you once were. Let, let me tell you this. Who you once were before you come into the grace of the Lord, that person doesn't exist anymore. And that person is living in the kingdom of God. That person died. Now, you say, well, then why do I make errors? Well, because you're a human being. Now, think, think what it would be like being a human being but not having grace, not having the blood of Jesus that covered our sins. I think it would be pretty hopeless and pretty horrible to have to live in that world. Would anybody agree with me? So the, the Bible says, it says, but God, and I like that, but God. He said, God's the one that said, let there be light before the sun and the stars. But God, he's shown us light through his son. But God, being rich in mercy, my goodness, why? Because of his great love for us. Because of his great love for us. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 3 and 4, he says that in verse 3, he blessed us with every heavenly and every spiritual blessing. And then in, in, in verse 4, it says, and he chose us himself to be blameless and holy, and holy before the foundation of the world. Boy, does anybody ever read that book? That's an amazing book, especially that first chapter when it teaches us who we are in Christ Jesus. Do you, you know that he saw us before we even knew him? And what's so amazing, do you know he knew us before we were even created? How, how do you do that? How can that be? But it is. It's an amazing thing. Now, it says this, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Now, verse 5, Here, this is an interesting thing. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, actually even when we were dead in our rebellion, he made us alive. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Pastor, I thought you said that the old things passed away. They did it, died, it's gone. Then, then why do I make mistakes? Because you're a human being. And it's an interesting thing. You, you're going to sin, but you don't have to live in sin. I mean, you understand? You're going to make mistakes, you don't have to live in mistakes. Well, you can get out of it anytime you want to get out of it. I'll give it to the Lord. Give it to the Lord. I'm telling you something, people. You've got to be careful who you talk to. You really do, man. You don't want to talk to everybody in church, you know. I mean, you know, there's not too many you-whos in the church. You know what a you-who is? You-who are spiritual. You who are spiritual get to restore people. Man, you, we, we, we need to be people that are you who's. We need, we need to be, be that person that Paul's talking in Galatians, you who are spiritual. Restore such an one in the spirit of love and meekness. You know what? I got this message together this morning, didn't I, Nancy? And, and uh, we, we had talked about it before uh, a few days ago, and, and it's an amazing thing. I'm sitting, I'm looking at that, and I'm saying, wow. I think I need this more than anybody else in 
in the church needs this. Sometimes I just need for the word to lift me up. Do you ever need that? Do you just have, have the word just build you up and lift you up? Because you know why? You know, how many of you are tired of being in your house? I'm sitting in my chair being lazy. And, and for some reason, my wife thinks she's got work all day. And I'm thinking, sit down and be lazy with me. You think that too? Help me out here. Yeah, we're getting amens from the men. And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm watching her work. And then, then I said to her, I said, what, what, what are you cooking for lunch? She said, you mean what are we cooking? And I said, yeah. That's what I really meant to say. That's true, isn't it, Nancy? That's what I really meant to say. Well, what are we cooking? It's gone. It's gone. Hey, I'm telling you right now, Sam's got a pot pie this big around, that thick. Oh, man, it's so good. I said, Nancy, don't get beef because if you do, John will come over. Stay with chicken. Okay. John don't like chicken. Now, why'd you say that? Where was I at before I got distracted? Oh, I, 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 I'm talking about, yeah, she's cooking. Thank you, back there. Got any man in the corner back there. Got, so she's cooking, you know, and, and I'm, feeling, I'm feeling lazy. And, and what are you shaking your head for, Melissa? Is your husband that way? Oh, quit. Really? Now I really don't know where I was at. But anyway, feeling lazy, you know, and... and so then she's sitting over there reading her Bible. Yeah, yeah, sitting over there reading her Bible. Cat gets on one side, then on the other side. I say, here, come here, cats. They run. So she's over here sitting there reading her Bible. And then she gets up and she starts working. I'm lazy. I'm just sitting there. No, I didn't read my Bible. I'm reading my Bible some. You see, you're seeing me as a transgressor already. I can see your face, okay? But, 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 and, and, and you know what I'm talking about? And I'm thinking, you know what? I need to do more. I didn't. But I'm, <laughs> but I'm thinking, I need to. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you, okay? I'm thinking, I, I need to, but I didn't. You know, and so then I know I got to take the cars out of the garage, you know, because I got my car, which is front wheel drive in that much snow, and it's not going to go nowhere. And I got to pull it out and bring the Honda out because it's four wheel drive. And then I have to get up, I have to get the uh, Volkswagen back in the garage. And so I back it up down the road about a quarter of a mile, and I take off, man. I mean, I'm flying down that road, and I come around, there's snow's going everywhere. I go right up in that garage, and I'm thinking, I hope I stop, because if I don't, I'm take all the walls out. I, I stop. And you know how I put that off, and I put that off, and I put that off. And you know why I put that off? Mecham Auto Auction was on. And there's three cars that was going to go. One was going to go for about $30 million. I've never seen a car go for $30 million in an auction. You watch that? Wasn't that great? And I didn't want to miss that, so I'm putting it off. But 
man, I'm feeling lazy. I'm, I'm not feeling good about myself. And then Nancy, she's still just working and doing things. Oh, she's not nice to me sometimes. No, no. And like, you know, hey, what are we having for you? mean we are cooking. Yes, we are. Okay, but anyway, not feeling good about myself. I'm kind of doing it with a little bit of humor, but seriously, not feeling good about myself. You ever felt that way about yourself? Yeah. And then, and then I get a telephone call. And I'm not going to tell you from Tony Singleton. But I get a telephone call from a guy. And he says, uh, hey, listen, what do you think that we start giving more money to the Jews? And I say, yo, that's great. We can do that. It just made me feel even worse. Because now I'm, I'm sitting there and it made me feel even worse. Amanda, don't try to take notes on this. You'll never remember all that. But, but I'm feeling worse. Now he's talking about Jews that have nothing, and I'm just sitting around being lazy. And, and so then you say, well, Pastor, if you didn't feel good about yourself, why did you, didn't you get up and do something? Didn't I just tell you I'm lazy? You know? Have you ever been at the place where you don't feel good about yourself? Isn't it amazing that when you feel good about yourself, God then takes you away? And isn't it amazing that when you know that you definitely have done things that you shouldn't have done, that God doesn't remove his grace? Is that not totally amazing about the cross? I'm going to watch this. Grace is a wonderful thing. Even when we were dead in trespasses he made us alive with christ in colossians chapter 3 and verse 3 it says that i died and my life is hidden with christ in god and you know what when you start talking about those things do you know it doesn't have anything to do with me it has everything to do with what God did for me, but doesn't have anything to do with me, like working, like trying to get things right so God can love me, because that's how we feel. We feel we have to get everything right in our life so that God will love us. But you tell me any mother that's worth anything Stop loving her kid because her kid didn't do right. I mean, Pastor Bill's mama, she loved him so much. Yeah, you need to put your head down. She loved him to the fact where everybody was wrong instead of her son. Even when he was wrong nine out of ten times, as far as she was concerned, he was right ten out of ten. She really loved you, didn't she? She really cared. Hey, listen, if, if the, the Bible says, what father, if his son asked for an egg, would give him a snake? Or bread would give him a rock? You being evil can love that much. How much more does God love us? 
Because even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive in him. Isaiah 46.10 says that God sees the end back to the beginning. Man, I thank the Lord for grace. And I thank the Lord for mercy. It's an interesting thing that when people say, I've said it. Oh, I only said that because I was mad or angry. You ever said that? I only said. You know what? You said because it was down in your heart. I said it because it was there. And yet God didn't care for what I did, but didn't stop loving me. And did not remove his grace. That's an amazing thing, that he didn't remove his grace. I, I, I like this. I, I love these scriptures. Even when we were dead in trespasses, God made us alive with Christ don't forget this. By grace, you have been, that's past tense, saved. I don't understand something. And I know that you can explain it to me, but I'm dense. I'm still not going to understand it. Paul says, I've been saved. I am saved. And I'm being saved. God knew me before. He's dealing with me now, and he's going to carry me to the end. And he is you too. All you have to do is just know him as your personal Savior. And if you know him as your personal Savior, and things have got in your way, the world has got in your way, he didn't throw you away. He didn't throw me away. He's made a way so we can come back with strong relationship. But God don't throw us away. I remember when all of a sudden I, it, that, that grace was made real to me. Because as a boy growing up in church, I didn't like God. I'll be honest with you. As a boy growing up in church, I didn't like church. And the reason why I didn't like it was because the way it was preached. I thought all my life, all I've done is just offend God. Just offend him. And there's no way he can love me because I've offended him. You know what? He loved me. But I was just never told how much he loved me. But I was told a lot about how much I offended him. Anybody ever been there? And so then what I found myself doing was working all the time, just trying to get better to have a relationship with God. And it didn't work, people, because I can't work like that. You know, that cold that we went out there yesterday, that's dangerous stuff out there, especially for us older people. And we got to be careful how we breathe that, you know, get that cold air down in your lungs. And I walked outside, and as soon as I walked outside, man, that hit me in the side of my head. That cold just hit me in the and I mean, it stunned me for just a moment. It stunned me for just a moment. And I'm thinking, man, how foolish was that? Right? I mean, man, I should, you know, I'm telling my wife to bundle up when you go out there. And I didn't. Boom, hit me right in the head. How foolish is that? But isn't that amazing? 
that even when I make foolish moves, God still loves me because of the grace of the cross, because of the mercy. And the Bible says, and who for the joy of the Lord We don't think that we are, but we have been because he saved us. Because he loved us. And we're too often more critical of ourselves than God is critical of us. And too often that we put ourselves down when all God's trying to do is just build us up. I like this scripture. Jude is talking, he says, and building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. When he's saying right there is building yourself up in your most holy, holy faith, speaking in tongues, praying in the Holy Ghost. That's what he's saying. That's for all of you out there that don't believe that, but that's exactly what he's saying. And this is kind of neat. You know what? I need to build myself up. Do you need to build yourself up? And guess what? Me working all the time, trying to get better and getting better, isn't building me up. All it's really doing is tearing me down because I can't make it. So how do I get built up? By praying in the Holy Spirit. And when I pray in the Holy Spirit, guess what the Holy Spirit does? He lets me know how much God loves me. Man, am I sounding like Joel Olstein right now? Because if I am, I'm going to change this message really quick. Nothing to you, Joel. Just a little bit. John's going just a little. But God loves us. Now, why does he love us? Listen, let me tell you what God did. He sent his son. He gave us. A, he, 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 he sent his son. He gave his son to die on the cross for our sin. Oh, wait a minute. Joel, don't talk about that. Christ died for my sin. And then when he died for my sin, he seated me with him in the Father, in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. And here's what I have to do. This is a revelation to me. I have to learn how to live in the kingdom of God. I have to learn how to live in God's kingdom. And it, as long as I'm 70, almost 75, I know I don't look it. I'm almost 75. You could chuckle on that one. Okay, but I'm almost 75. And there's a lot of things I still don't know. And there's still a lot of things that I need to learn. But isn't that amazing that God's still dealing with me every day about who I am in Him? And He's still building me up and He's still listening to me. And then when, when, I, when I'm down and I, I don't feel good about me, isn't it amazing that God still feels good about me? God still feels good about me. Why? Because the Bible says this, in order that the ages to come, that he might show, he might show the surpassing, this, this, this surpasses all human intelligence, this, this surpasses all angelic intelligence, there's none that can understand this, in, this in, in order that in ages to come, he might show his surpassing mercy and riches that he's bestowed on us. Let me ask you something about your children. Don't you want your children to amount? I knew I, I, I grew up with this this uh, young guy. 
His family was a little bit more wealthy than we were. No, I'm sorry. His family was a lot more wealthier than we were. Everybody's family was wealthier than we were. Okay? Uh, but we both grew up together. Um, and he became a preacher, and I'm a preacher. Um, his mother didn't like me too well. This guy's mother didn't like me too well. And she had a right to, because I'm treating her son too nice. Okay? She said to my mom, she said, that boy of yours ever grow up meant anything? I really don't know what my mom said. I might not want to know what she said. But, but don't you want your kids to grow up and amount to something? And how do you get them to grow up and amount to something? You just keep showing up to them. And when they fail, right, encourage them to get up. Do you understand how much God encourages us, us to get up? Let me show you how much God encourages us to get up. This whole thing is encouragement of God just to get up. Right? Get your children. Rich, I have to learn how to live in the kingdom. And you have to learn how to live in the kingdom. But would you want to live in a kingdom where you had to just be starchy all the time and sterile all the time? Hey, I don't know. I'm gonna I'm probably gonna reach out here and somebody's gonna label me as heretic. I don't know. But you can get those, you know, like now you can. You know what she said? I never thought about it. Yeah. What do you think they do? Huh? <laughs> I don't know. But I'm going to tell you something. My concept of heaven is changing every single day. I hope your concept of heaven is changing every single day as you live with the Lord. I don't know. My idea of what I thought heaven was has totally changed over the last few years. And to the place I don't know. But here's one thing that I know. This book right here, this Bible right here, we need to live in the kingdom of heaven. I hear this. If we don't know who God is, then we're not going to know how to live in the kingdom. Listen, it's not how pretty I am. It's not how good I am. It's all my first name. And he is willing to do for me if I allow him to do that. Does anybody get a hold of that? Because listen to what it says. Of his grace which is kind towards us in Christ. And God is kind. And I think that we forget that God is kind. I think that we forget that God is merciful. I think that we forget that God is love. I think that we forget these things because we're critical people. Not you guys, just me. But we're critical people, especially we in the United States of America. Do you know that statistically, if you have change in your pocket, that you're part of the uh, uh, 10 percentile of the wealthiest people in the world, if you just have 10 change in your pocket? That's how, that's how we do. But, but understand this, our wealth has not been good to us because of how we've used it. The Bible says, in order that in ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of, of his riches. So, I'm sorry, of his grace. He's kind towards us in Christ. The Bible teaches us that his riches are exceeding. His grace is exceeding. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Does this sound like a God that doesn't love you? Now unto him who is able to do far above, more abundantly, beyond all that we ask or think according to the power, the Holy Ghost is working. Like, who does love us? Like, and does power. And the Lord, we can just make it I love the name of Gray. I said, is that right? She said, I love the name of Gray. And she said, I'm, a gla I'm glad I'm a Gray. 
Now, that little girl needs a lot of prayer right now. And if you can remember to pray for her, you ought to do that. But she did that. And then one of my grandchildren, it's not biological, my grandchild, he's taking whatever you see, he said, what did you pray? That's the gift that God can make me feel that way. How do you think that God feels every time we use his name? How do you think he feels every time we lift him up to a lost and dying world? How do, you, how do you think he feels when we realize that we haven't done right and we just go to him and confess? How do you think he feels about us? I'm going to tell you how he feels about us. He loves us more than what we know, more than what we think, more than what we can understand because the Bible says it surpasses all human life. God loves us. It me to know that God loves me. It encourages me to know that he wants me to use his name. He has exceeding riches according to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. God wants man to use his riches. Listen to what the word says. He wants you to ask. He wants you to seek. He wants you to knock. He said if you ask, if you seek, and you knock, he said I'm going to give you exactly what you want. Why? Because listen, God overflows with grace. Now let me tell you something. I don't know how much grace you need. But I need a whole lot. I need a whole lot. Now in verse 8, here's what it says. For by grace you have been saved through faith. That not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Now, now listen to what it's not saying. It's not saying it is the gift in, in God. It said it's the gift of God. I like that. Now, by grace, through faith, not of yourself, it is the gift of God. It's not a gift from God. I'm reading this and I'm studying this this morning and I realized something. It's not a gift from God. It's the gift of God. Yeah, you got it, didn't you? It's not a gift from God. It's God himself. Listen to this. I, I, I thought, wow, how long? I'm 75. How could I have missed this all these years? Gift of God, not from God, but gift of God. God gave himself. I'm going to show you something real quick. Would you put up Hebrews 10, 17, and 18? Watch this. There is no longer any offering for sin. Hey, let me, let, I'm going to do something. You know in your heart, you know in your heart, you're saved. I want you to raise your hand. You know in your heart. Okay, listen to me. You can put your hand down. God loves you. That's an amazing thing. And when you give your heart to him, he just showered you. He showered me with his grace. So much that my, my cognitive mind can't comprehend what he's done for me through the grace and the riches of his mercy. And David said that God's mercy endureth forever. Yeah, but pastor, you don't know what I did. I don't need to know what you did. Matter of fact, I don't care what you did. That's between you and God. Well, how do I make it right? Pretty simple. Just go to dad and say, I'm sorry. 
You ever have your kids come? You ever have your kids come and say, you know what, Mom, I'm sorry. Or, hey, you know what, Dad, I'm sorry. Makes you feel pretty good, doesn't it? Well, think about how it makes God feel when his church goes to him and says, you know what, all I want to, want to do is enrich this relationship. I, I like this. He says this, and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. Now, where there is forgiveness of these things, there is no longer any offering for sin. Boy, get a hold of this, Pentecostals. The Baptists got a hold of it a long time ago. They used it until they ruined it, and they made grace cheap. I'm saved. I can do anything I want. Let me ask you a question. Does that resonate to you something's wrong there? I'm saved. I can do what God wants. Because if I'm saying I'm saved and I can do anything I want, it sounds like I'm coming from a fleshy heart. And what I want God to do is change my heart so that all I want to do is what God wants me to do. Right? But Paul said, now listen to what he says to the Corinthians. He says, I have liberty to do all things. That's what he said. I know you don't like that. You deep dyed in the wool Pentecostals don't like that. But listen to what he said. I'm not going to do it because I'm not going to have sin master me because it's not beneficial to me. And when we start thinking, you know what? When we say, when, when he says this, when he says, I can do anything I want to do, he's talking about the mercy and grace of God that covers him. But then the Holy Spirit starts to swell up inside him, and he said, but I'm not going to go out and do those things, and the reason why I'm not going to go out and do those things is because it's not beneficial with my walk with Jesus. I want to do something that's beneficial for me to walk with the Lord. He said, I have liberty to do whatever I want to do. You ever set your kids free? Hello. You need to set them free. Hey, I'm looking at your wife, John. She's looking at me like she don't know nothing. I'm looking at you, Melissa. Oh, Amanda, you too? You need to set your kids free. Man, we need to set our kids free. Now listen, though. When they come to us, love them. But let them go. Let them go. Because God's going to take care of them. He's going to work with them. Now, we have no idea why Easton, what Easton's going to be like when he comes back. I think he's going to be very instrumental in this church. Okay? And, and so, we, for, for, for by grace through faith, not of yourself, it is the gift of God. It's the gift of God. That, that, that's what got a hold of me. It's the gift of God. It's this gift of God that saved me. Now listen to what he, the gift of God, he gave me himself. And then in Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, then he give me the faith to believe that he's the gift. Hello? In Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, he says, don't think more of yourself than what you ought to. He said, for God has given each one of us a measure of his faith. 
So he's given me his faith so I can believe he is the gift. He's the gift. And guess what God doesn't do? He doesn't take his gifts back. And he doesn't put strings on it. Sometimes people give you a gift, and they, but this is what you got to do with it. Well, it's not a gift now, right? How many times has somebody given you a gift, watch this, and you re-gifted it? My mother, my mother buys me some kind of cologne at Dillard's. And I opened it up for Christmas. Remember that, Nancy? And I go, yuck. And she said, wow. She said, you don't like that? And I said, yeah, I'll re-gift it. I know, that's cruel. This guy over here is saying, what did I come here this morning for? <laughs> and she said, well, take it back and get something you like. Well, I did. That woman gave over $300 for that bottle of cologne. I got three shirts and two pair of pants. And I thought, dear, man, how much she give for that thing? But, but you're not supposed to re-gift the gifts that God gives you. Right? Anybody here guilty of re-gifting? I'm the only one? Nancy taught me. Here we go. All right. All right. <laughs> this is, this is going to go viral today. You know? But isn't it amazing? Now listen to what he says in verse 9. Not of works, so no one can boast. That's what he says. Not of works, so no one can boast. She's going to pull up Hebrews chapter 10 again. We're going to go verse 9. Watch this. Verse 9. Then he said, you see the capital H? Talking about God. Then he said, behold, I have come to do your will. Now watch. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. He takes away the first covenant in order to establish the second covenant. And the second covenant is him dying on the cross and, and, and covering our, our sin by his shed blood. Now, verse 10. By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once. What? For all. He saved you, he will keep you. He saved you, you will not be lost. When he saved you, he will keep you. How many of you understand that? And Jesus Christ did not die time after time after time. He died one time. And that one time is enough. When they did not have water to drink, God says to Moses, strike the rock. And water came out of the rock. The second time when they didn't have water to drink, he said to Moses, speak to the rock. How many of you understand that Christ is smitten for us one time only, and now we speak to him? And why do we speak to him? Because he is the rock. And he is the living water of life. And he gives it to men 
freely, without money, without cost. He gives it to us. Praise God. Now watch this. She's going to bring up Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12. But he, Jesus, having offered one sacrifice for sins, for what? Set down at the right hand of God for all time. Oh, come on, people. Give God glory. Understand what he did at the cross is so amazing and so great that nothing can even come close to it. Talking about the love of God. Boy, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm glad you're not my Savior. And you need to be glad I'm not yours. That's what I tell the students. We have this thing at school that if you come into my office and the, and the door stays open, that means you get to live. But if I say close the door, you might want to pass out. One little girl said, you get in trouble? She said, no, but I got the eyebrow. When the eyebrow goes up, that ain't good. Okay? It's an amazing thing, what God did. Because, see, I'm not capable of loving you that way. I'm just not. And you're not capable of loving me that way. Now, God has put love inside of us that is, we, we can't explain it. We can love like we love the unlovable. We can love, but we cannot love like God loves because we don't know the depth of that love. It is so deep and it's so wonderful. Boy, if we can think about that, it would just start to heal us right now to think that God doesn't hate us. You know, he doesn't. Let me tell you something about his grace. Because we have taken this eternal security so far, we have made the grace of the Lord so cheap. Matter of fact, I think that a lot of people that believe in eternal security aren't saved. Because there's something happens in a person when they get saved. When, when, when you get saved, man. One, one little guy in this church, and, and uh, he doesn't come here anymore, but he married a Muslim lady. And uh, boy, the family's all upset about it. What do you think, Pastor? I said, okay, wasn't saved. Yeah, he was saved. No, he wasn't saved. And you say, why do you say that? Because if he got saved, he would love the Lord. I'm going to tell you something. You're, you're not going to do it correctly. You're not going to do it right. You're just not going to. But boy, you love the Lord. And how do you know the, you're saved? When you, when you get saved, you love Jesus. You love him more than life itself. And you know what? I'm glad that when my kids sinned against me, it bothered them. Help me out here. I'm glad it bothered them. But I didn't want them to be so bothered they couldn't come to me and talk to me about it. But I'm glad that when I, I, I'm not standing right, that it bothers me. I need to be bothered. I need to be bothered when, when I'm saying, okay, I need to live for the Lord, and it's not that he hates me, and it's not that he's going to condemn me, but it's that this is a witness of who I am, 
and this is my relationship with him. I need to walk with him. And it needs to bother me when I'm not doing right. But it doesn't need to give me anxiety where it just brings me down to my knees. Because this is one thing I know. You church, we're sin conscious. But we need to be God conscious. We need to be Jesus conscious and see what God can do with that because he loves us. I'm about to come to an end here. She's going to bring up the 14th verse. Watch this. For by one offering, he has perfected for all times those who are sanctified. I want you to do me a favor, Deb. I want you to put up verse 9 again. Verse 9 and 10. Watch this, people. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ, Jesus Christ, once for all. That's amazing. The Bible teaches us, says that the blood of bulls and goats couldn't take sins away. Covered them. Then you have to go there a year and do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. And that priest would have to stand there daily. He'd have to make sacrifice for himself, then he'd make sacrifice for you. That's the way he did it, daily. It was a tough job. But Jesus, when he went to the cross and rose from the dead, made sacrifice for me and you, and when he made sacrifice for me and you, he made it because he became the sacrifice And he was also the high priest. It's amazing what he did. He made sacrifice. He was the high priest for you and I. And when he had accomplished that, he sat down. And the reason why he sat down, because there was no more to do. Wow. He sat down. And when he sat down, you and I be cleansed. Now watch this one. Everybody got that? So he takes away this, the first in order to establish the second one. Now, put verse 12 up there. Now I like this verse. But he, Jesus, having offered one sacrifice for sin, one for sins, for what? What? All time. Sit down at the right hand of God. Now watch verse 14. For by one offering, he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. My goodness. And when he did that, verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship. Boy, workmanship. You know what that workmanship in the Greek means? We're a work of art. We're a work of art. You know that when he saved you and remade you, you became a work of art. My goodness. Wow. A work of art. You know, you ever watch these guys that study this abstract art? There's something nuts about that. They don't make sense to me. Have you ever went to Council Bluffs and you see this crazy stuff that they have on the side of the road that made out of iron and metal what they just put together 
Anybody ever seen that? It's on their main high, their main inner, you seen that? I think that's of the devil. I'm serious. I, I mean, I think they need to tear that down. There's something wicked about that. That thing, it just looks wicked. Isn't that amazing that, that, that kids draw skeletons and they draw knives and put it in the heads? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? devil has all of that. But when he saved you, and he said, we became a work of art, his art. Man, can you imagine that? So we're a work of art. Okay, I got it. I'm Pastor Dries saying, yeah, next time Melissa gets all over me, I'm a work of art. I'm just saying, you got it coming. Okay, a work of art. Because then he goes on to say this. And their sins and their lost deeds, I will remember no more. And this is what he says. I like this. He says, now where there is forgiveness of these things, there is no longer any offering for sin. If you're saved, listen to me, don't come up here and try to get saved again. Don't do it. My dad would have a revival. He was a pastor. He'd have a revival. They come in there. How many people got saved? How long did you have the, the revival? Seven days. How many people got saved? Seven. Who were they? They was Long Gray's oldest son. He got saved every night. And I believed that stuff for a long time. Even as a pastor. Don't work that way, people. Delbert, you're saved. And you're a work of art. You're saved. And you're a work of art. And where there is forgiveness of these things, there is no longer any offering for sin. Why? Because he became the sin offering for you and I. He became the high priest after the order of Melchizedek for you and I. And what did he do? He saved us. He completed us. Now, do you need the baptism of the Holy, Word, Holy Spirit? Yeah, that's the second work of grace. Let's stand. Let's stand. God is so good. Do you know that song, Derek, for he is Lord? You want to go up there and, and start? You can either do the guitar or the piano. And Austin, you want to do the drums? That'd be working fine. Mark. Oh, Barb, you want to go up there? I thought you said Mark. Okay. For his Lord. I think about, and, and I, I'm doing it facetiously, I understand that. But 79,000 people go to a ball game where it's nine below zero. Windchill hitting almost 30 below. Now, now, you might call these guys idiots. Some of them guys took their shirts off. That is totally strange. And you're not going to tell me that wasn't cold. But understand something. There's something neat in that to the fact here's what they're saying. That's my football team, and I'm going to do whatever it takes. What would you think if the church got that way? 
What, what, what would you think if the church got that way? That would be amazing. Because what would happen, we'd start doing a few things that are a little bit on the silly side. You might, might look at them boys and say, that's about as silly as it gets, and I'm going to say you're right. But to them guys, that wasn't silly at all. What happens when we can come into the church and we get to the place where we say, you know what? God loves us. And by his grace, I have been saved because of the gift of God. Not the gift from God, but God himself. been listening to Sundays with Hosanna Fellowship, bringing God's word, his power, and authority to our community and the world. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Please consider sharing with others and help us spread the good news of Jesus Christ to the world.